You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Lifelong Learning, featuring thought leaders in the field of continuing medical education. Lifelong Learning is presented in cooperation with the Alliance for CME, the International Association of CME Professionals. Here's your host, Senior Vice President of Educational Strategy for Prova Education, Lawrence Sherman, FACME, CCMEP. We continue to see new technologies emerge, and the questions always arise about how best to incorporate them into continuing medical education. It's imperative for all involved in CME to consider how best to use these technologies to improve the learning experience and to ultimately result in improved patient care. Welcome to the second part of a two-part series on new directions in the delivery of CME, including what technologies are being used to deliver education to practicing physicians, as well as using social media as communications techniques. Our two guests who have special insights into this field and two people I know that I talk to all the time about these particular topics. Dr. Joseph Kim is a physician technologist who actively blogs about advances in technology as they relate to the world of healthcare. He is also the Vice President of Medical Affairs and Technology at Medical Communications Media, Inc., a professional medical education company. Dr. Kim has an MD from the University of Arkansas College of Medicine and an MPH from the University of Massachusetts Amherst School of Public Health. And we also have Dr. Brian McGowan, who is Director, Medical Education Group Oncology at Pfizer, Inc., and is Chairperson of the Alliance for CME's Committee on Emerging Education Technology. Dr. McGowan has a Ph.D. in cardiovascular physiology from Temple University Hospital, where he also worked on the heart transplant team. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for having us, Lawrence. Thank you, Lawrence. I'd really like to start by asking you a provocative question. We need to remember that our audience is made up of practicing physicians, and we really want to give them some practical advice and maybe provoke some thoughts in their minds. So let's think about this. Where does their educational need really start? Where does that learning need arise? Does it arise from the fact that new data are coming out, or does it arise at the point of care, or are there any number of places where physicians find that they need new education information? Brian, why don't we start with you? Sure. My perspective at this point is coming from working in the grants office at Pfizer, so with the opportunity to review hundreds and thousands of proposals that are being submitted by academic centers and especially societies from around the country and having the insights into where they're deriving their needs. I think the textbooks in adult education would suggest that needs derive when a problem's confronted, an adult looks for an answer. And clearly that begins the educational planning loop, right? So you find you have a problem, you begin to find how you've handled the problem in the past, your successes and your failures, that self-assessment component of the practice of medicine. And then you start to look for the solutions to the problem, whether it's a professional support of some sort, whether it's education, whether it's a checklist, whether it's a non-educational strategy. So you close that educational planning loop with some intervention. And then hopefully you take the time to go back and assess whether you solved your problem. I think that's a pretty well-defined system, but I'm not necessarily sure how many times in practice a physician has the opportunity to go through that formal plan, do, study, act process. I think much more frequently a problem arises and you look for a solution wherever you can find it in as 
time-effective manner to find your answer. I'm not sure if Joe has some opinions there, but it seems like 90% of the problems that a physician finds in practice, they're not going through formal learning channels to solve. Right. I would certainly agree. And I think a lot of times there are physicians where they recognize that perhaps there are certain competencies where they're lacking. Perhaps it's a primary care provider who realizes that he or she needs to improve how to examine the shoulder when patients come in for a variety of shoulder complaints. Or perhaps it's the assessment of chest pain and and figuring out exactly how to apply the latest information. They remember hearing that new guidelines perhaps were released last month, but they haven't had a chance to review those guidelines yet. And so when they go to treat that patient, they want to make sure that they're applying the latest information. I think another place where physicians are often challenged is actually from their patients. Patients are coming in with information. They're coming up with printouts from the Internet, or they're saying that so-and-so told me X, Y, Z, and they're actually challenging their physician to say, what do you think, or how do you apply this information? And so physicians more than ever today need to be aware of what's happening in terms of the latest information that's being released to the public, in terms of some of the the hot topics, if you will, that are buzzing around in the social circles, and they have to be able to answer their patients with evidence. Patients don't just want to hear, well, this is just my opinion. They actually realize that, you know, give me the evidence, show me the proof that says that this is indeed the way that I ought to be treated for conditions X, Y, and Z. You know, I think that's interesting, guys, and I I think we're sort of circling around the fact that there are multiple touch points along the educational timeline that maybe new technologies will allow physicians to engage earlier at the point of question, if we can call it something, and really find ways to get that information. And Joe, I'm glad you brought up that point about patients coming in, you know, the more informed patient, whether the information they got was right or wrong, doesn't matter. The patient is now involved in their care. Do you think that new technologies will now allow physicians to start different and better dialogues with their patients within the context of CME they can learn and then take what they learn and bring it to their patients? Yeah, I absolutely do believe that. I think that physicians, there are those who are early adopters of technology and they're leveraging the different resources and the tools that are out there to stay current on the latest information. There are those who are late adopters of technology, but they're being challenged by their patients to start adopting technology. If your patient walks into your exam room carrying, say, an iPad, an Apple iPad, and has a web page open showing you the latest information about diabetes treatment or some news article that just came up and is challenging you with that that information right there at that point of care, a physician has to know how to appropriately respond and react. And so there's going to be multiple different factors. You know, the government is putting a lot of pressure on physicians to adopt electronic health records, to reduce medical errors and so forth. And slowly that shift is going to happen where physicians will need to embrace technology. And I also believe that as they recognize the value of using some of the newer technologies, things like social media and mobile technologies, and when they recognize the value that it can have to help them answer those clinical questions, to help them also improve patient care delivery at that point of care, they're going to start embracing that technology and become more active users. The problem right now is that so many physicians are so busy that they haven't even had time to explore some of those technologies, and they don't understand exactly how to use the technologies in terms of what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, and so they even need education just on those basics. 
If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Lifelong Learning on ReachMD Radio XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Lawrence Sherman, and joining me in the second part of a two-point series to discuss new directions in the delivery of CME is Dr. Brian McGowan, Director of Medical Education Group Oncology at Pfizer, Inc., and Dr. Joseph Kim, Vice President of Medical Affairs and Technology at Medical Communications Media. Let's assume that many of the physicians listening to us right now on the radio are probably those early adopters or those close to being early adopters because they're using this medium, either satellite radio or online or podcast, to listen to us. What practical pieces of advice can we give them to take their use of these technologies and apply it to CME? Brian, why don't we start with you? Sure. I think as kind of a broader representation of what these technologies can be for a practicing physician, clearly there are a very, very few number of early adopters in the medical community who are using emerging technologies like social media to provide care. So they're using social media to practice. That's not what we're talking about here, and that's not an expertise that I think either Joe or I have, but there are some vocal advocates for the value of that. And there's actually some small success stories of patient care being improved because a physician was engaged with their patients in social media. I think the second way that it can be used in a way that may be a little bit more intuitive and a lot less risky is to use social media as a means of sharing. So as Joe was mentioned with these empowered patients, there's an opportunity for a physician to market their practice or market themselves or extend their expertise and share with the empowered, the electronic, the informed patient with these new technologies. But I think what your question is really getting at is this third venue, which is social media as a form of learning. And that takes many, many forms. I think the way that most find themselves settling down in the social media space. And again, I I believe depending on the technology and how we define meaningful use of these new technologies, we're probably talking about 3 to 5% of the medical community, the physician medical community is currently engaging in social media. To use it to learn as a personalized learning plan, to build a network of colleagues and subject matter experts that build up credibility in your mind to extend the hallway conversation from 10 feet left and 10 feet right of your exam room or outside the lecture hall at your annual meeting. But all of a sudden, the hallway conversation using social media technologies can be global. And I think that some people, I know Joe has said this before, I've heard him say this, that when people get a taste for the value of what social media can do for them, they develop an almost insatiable hunger for using it. That's terrific, Brian. Joe, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think these are excellent points. And even though right now it's only 3 to 5% of physicians who are using social media, this trend is rapidly going to change as physicians become more active users of hardware, such as smartphones, where they have the social media built into the devices as they sit in front of a computer more. Right now, a lot of physicians are still writing in paper charts. And once they're constantly in front of computer screens and they're constantly communicating with their colleagues via email or within some kind of a secure messaging portal, that trend will also change. 
There are trends that are changing throughout different health systems. For instance, the Kaiser Permanentes of the world, where all the physicians are communicating within their intranet, and they're also communicating with their patients through secure health portals and messaging portals, is a very, very different type of work environment, clinical practice setting, than your average community physician who might be in a solo practice or small group practice where they don't communicate digitally with their patients and where they also don't communicate digitally with their colleagues either in real time using chat features and other social media networks or they're just not engaged in those things. So I believe that there will be movements and something like the electronic health record is going to be a big bump in the movement of getting more physicians online and getting them to use this kind of technology. And I believe that we will see a shift. The shift may occur faster than we anticipate because of these other external factors. When this happens, and as physicians start realizing that there are times when perhaps they're not delivering the best care that they could be delivering because they're not applying the latest guidelines or they're not applying the newest research that was just released, and when they recognize the value, as we've talked about before, that, hey, it's easier for me to stay current on what's happening in the world of medical research and medical education by staying connected with people. When they recognize that, it'll change their paradigm in terms of how they go about. The problem historically has just been the physicians tend to get very isolated. They get very busy with their work. They get so inundated with all the work that they have to do for that day, the paperwork and the logistics, and they start to lose that social connection with their other colleagues. But I believe social media can help to change that, and they can see that by staying connected with their colleagues, it'll ultimately help them not only deliver better patient care, but also improve their workflow efficiencies. So I think there's a lot to be learned. There are many physicians that recognize that they have to beef up their computer skills if they want to be efficient using an electronic health record. So there are just different things along the way that I believe will help motivate physicians to start engaging and exploring these newer technologies and actually seeing how it can benefit them. I'd like to thank my guests, Dr. Joseph Kim, Vice President of Medical Affairs and Technology at Medical Communications Media, and Dr. Brian McGowan, Director, Medical Education Group Oncology at Pfizer, Inc. Guys, thanks for joining us to continue the discussion on new directions in CME and spending time with us this week on Lifelong Learning. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Lawrence. You've been listening to Lifelong Learning on ReachMD on XM160, the channel for medical professionals, featuring thought leaders in the field of continuing medical education. Lifelong Learning is presented in cooperation with the Alliance for CME, the International Association of CME Professionals, and is hosted by Lawrence Sherman. The Alliance for Continuing Medical Education is proud to partner with ReachMD to present the series Lifelong Learning in an effort to foster discussion on current issues in the field of continuing medical education. The Alliance for CME is a membership organization of professionals devoted to designing, implementing, and evaluating CME activities for physicians. Another initiative the Alliance is proud to sponsor is the National Faculty Education Initiative, or NFEI, with the Society for Academic Continuing Medical Education and in collaboration with the Association 
Association of American Medical Colleges. NFEI's educational activity and verification database will help medical education faculty understand the differences between certified CME activities and commercial marketing promotional programs, benefiting all stakeholders in the CME process and ultimately the public. More information about NFEI and the Alliance for CME can be found online at acme-assn.org. That's acme-assn.org.